It's a sled. He's dead. The box contains his wife's head. Vedas, his father, they're allergic to water. She's his sister and her daughter. You watched it from Wacky Races. <laughs> See, this is the this is the seventh entry in our miniseries. Number number seven, lucky number eleven. We should have done lucky number eleven. <laughs> yes, we should have. <laughs> Might as well. I mean, is this the quality of free association I can expect this episode? <laughs> this has always been the qual- level of quality free association from me. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of quality, hi, how you doing? This is Wade, and this is Siggy, and you're listening to you watched it wrong. The podcast where we are in the middle of our mini-series of... It's a Mackey, Wacky, It's a Mackey, Wacky... Racies <laughs> series. Racies. We're good at talking. <laughs> We're going through all the Wacky Races movies from It's a Mad, 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 Mad World all through the ones that you are expecting when you hear the title Wacky Races, perhaps, such as all the movies based on the Cannonball Run real-life real actual thing that happened. And this is the first one that actually has a cannonball in the title letting you know, yes, we read that Car and Driver magazine article too. <laughs> but don't, don't simmer down. This It's not the one you're thinking of yet. We still got to get there. We're not there yet. Fortunately, we are just at Cannonball, 1976 Movie produced by Roger Corman, directed by Paul Bartel. Sound familiar? Starting David Carradine. Sound familiar? But before we get into that, uh, Thanksgiving was a couple of days ago. So I wanted to take this moment to say, Siggy, uh, I am thankful uh, for your friendship. I I am thankful for this podcast with which I get to discuss cinematic offerings with you to great enjoyment for me. And hopefully for you and others. Um, I'm not so certain I'm thankful for the Wacky Races series yet. Because it means (laughs) I have to watch movies like Cannonball. (laughs) So not burying the lead. uh, I did not have a good time watching this movie. It's I'm not sure. I don't think it's... I don't think I dislike it as much as I disliked those magnificent men and their flying machines. However, they did achieve some things. So, uh, but it's down there. It's down there with them. This is definitely not one of my favorites of the series. <laughs> yeah, this movie's not exactly good. No, um, I wouldn't call it that. I I had an all right time watching it. Uh, I you know I had a couple of solid laughs in it, uh, but it's no. Yeah, this is uh, in the bottom tier of of entries in the series so far for sure. I've. Parbartel apparently not very interested in car movies, as it no, turns out. As it turns out, uh, apparently that's a something he said, and it it shows. Um, yeah, it, it really shows. does. It's yeah. I, I read a quote from him saying, "Now that 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 um, why am I trying to say counteracted that con- contradicted a previous belief that I had about this movie, which was I was under the impression that." Roger Corman wanted Death Race 2000 to be a more serious movie, and Paul Bartel wanted it to be funnier. 
And so that this one was the attempt to be more funny. I can't see that possibly being <laughs> the goal. Uh, well, after seeing the movie. I mean, Death Race 2000 is a black comedy, whereas this is just a comedy. I mean, it's... Is it? I, this, there, was anything funny in the movie, period? It's, it's structured like a comedy. That you could, right. I'm not... Right. It, there, it's not anything else. It's not any other genre. It is, it is a comedy film. You know, it, it is filled with comic situations. Now, to, this is the movie to be a comedy with no jokes. Not one of the most endearing comedies of all film history, and one of my favorite films, the first entry in the series. That is a comedy full of humor and jokes. This is the one comedy that literally does not have jokes nor humor. So I call BS on your description of the first entry of this series, and I think it applies here. Okay, we're still <laughs> litigating it's a bad, mad, yes, bad, this I is think the, that's this what the whole the seri- series is supposed to be. It's I get on Wade's, I get Wade's goat by not thinking it's a mad, 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 mad world is no. that funny. Uh, and now I have to hear about it ever, every episode, uh, ever, ever right. after. Well, you know, I, I, I said at the beginning of the series, I wasn't going to ever sol- choose that movie for this show because I knew it would open this up. <laughs> so now you're going to have to live with it. Because I'm not going to sit here and be told uh, time and time again that something I like is bad. <laughs> so, well, you know what? Wait, I'm thankful for you too, and for this podcast. I, I, that's all heartfelt. Um, but you know, I do get to have my own opinions. Of course, you and do. You're just going to have to live with those. I'm sorry. There's, n- I'm completely living with them. <laughs> just don't want to have to hear them all the time. <laughs> You do know we're hosting a movie discussion podcast. Oh, you yeah, did, there's uh, a flaw yeah, in that, that, isn't there? This is going to uh, occur now and again. Yeah, that was well, one, one flaw in my, my plan there. Maybe we should take <laughs> refuge from these contentious opinions and into the comforting world of cold, hard facts. Let's look at the numbers. So here we are in our seventh installment of the Wacky Race miniseries. We are... Uh, only one year, uh, actually 11 months, uh, a day shy of 11 months. Um, no, scratch all of that. We're a little more than a year after the elapsed uh, after release of Death Race 2000. What's that? <laughs> Nothing. I don't know. So we're only one year since the release of uh, Death Race 2000, year and a couple months. Most of the same cast and crew, a lot of the same cast and crew, take another turn at the pike, uh, <laughs> as it were, uh, and come back for a cannonball, or as it was released in the UK, Carquake. Mm-hmm. It's actually a cooler cooler name. Um, really only applies to maybe the pile-up scene, even yeah, though, we, we need to talk even though it's a that. coast-to-coast movie that, once again, it's a one more coast-to-coast race that looks like it was entirely shot in Southern California, uh, save for some... <laughs> Some Manhattan location shots for the very last reel, um, but otherwise no quaking, <laughs> no quaking uh, no is quaking. to be observed. So July sixth, nineteen seventy six, nice summer drive through release. Uh, we are at a ninety three minute runtime, nice and crisp. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they got it down that that uh, 
maybe they got it that tight by editing out a lot of uh, very funny, very funny jokes. <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> never know. A budget of seven hundred and eighty thousand. So Death Race two thousand made for three hundred thousand nineteen seventy five dollars. That's mm-hmm. like an eight million dollar. No, that's uh, sorry. That's like a one point four million dollar budget in today's dollars. Pretty good. That oh, dollar I mean, for that. That yeah. dollar went pretty far. Oh yeah. You got some cool custom cars. It's a fun, you know. You're seeing the money on the screen, as such as it is. We're more than doubling the budget here, $780,000. They're trying to reproduce the, the financial success of Death Race 2000, which made boatloads of money compared to its budget. And the returns are much more modest, both financially, because uh, they make $21 million at the box office. So it's still like a 200% increase over budget. Um, is that in today's dollars? That would be yes. Yeah, sorry, that's in today's yeah. dollars. Four million dollars in 1976, but it would be make, yeah, make, I found, making. You know, I could, the equivalent I, of making 21 million off of a 1.5 million dollar. Um, uh, sorry, out of a four million dollar budget. So yeah, that, I I uh, I couldn't get terrible. consistent uh, facts on it because I saw one that said it only made uh, 1.5 million at the box office. Another one said it made. Three hundred and three three point two million at the box office. I could I couldn't get anything consistent, so I had no idea hmm. what it actually did. Well, um, well, I'll tell you this much for sure: uh, for more than doubling the budget, they made a movie that looks more than twice as crappy as <laughs> Death Race Two Thousand. Yes. And, and I what, don't. What, I, that money went into like they blew that money on the the pile up and I don't know where else it's, it's showing up on, well, and this one they did. I mean, I mean where I see it is definitely in the stunt driving because uh, they didn't have to do a period piece this time. So they didn't have to change buildings and scenery and put lo- Omega logos on everything or whatever. That's a good point. This they, is only our second contemporarily contemporarily set movie in the right. series. They didn't have to, um, um, do costume and makeup effects. They didn't have to make uh, wha- funny cars. Basically, they didn't have to like dress them up as yeah. bulls and and, <laughs> and and reptiles and things. Um, they did, however, have a lot more. Um, in Death Race 2000, they didn't do a whole lot of cars colliding. They would like explode yeah. or yeah. you know, kind That's of. They true. were just racing. In fact, I only really remember you get one gets blown up by a baby. Right. Exactly. <laughs> And uh, Joe Viterbo's car chases after that fisherman and kind of jumps down into the lake. And, and it was surprising that I thought they would try to take risk with the cars that much. This one, mm-hmm. they're demolition derbying it. So I think a lot of it probably went to safety and stunt driving. You know, they, they do a ramp. They fake it through photo, but there is a car ramping over a... Um, Our first ramp jump of the series. Our first ramp jump, right. Very exciting milestone. So there's that, and so uh, I think a lot of the money went there, and I and I noticed the second unit director was Chuck Russell of um, uh, future f- movie director uh, of things like Highlander Two, <laughs> Eraser. What's the thing he did that was big? Was it The Mask? He did something big that was really popular. I can't remember, mm-hmm. um, but uh, um, Death Race Two Thousand. Um, both these movies had Tak Fujimoto as its DP. 
Right. I noticed. Two-timer DP club. Yeah. I noticed some real beauty in some Death Race 2000 shots. I saw none of that here. Um, I didn't no. see anything. This is a very... <sighs> it's a pretty uninspired movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if Bartel wasn't interested... Tak Fujimoto certainly didn't look interested <laughs> or that he was able to do much that was interesting. Uh, but they do have a lot of what we now see as pretty standard car mounts, you know, interior car shots. Maybe that wasn't as, mm. maybe that wasn't something that we saw a lot of at this time, but now that's, maybe maybe they were, you know, revolutionizing things a little bit. No, but, no, no. no. <laughs> like you say, we saw those shots in Death Race 2000. They were, you know, they were, um, they were on the Dukes of Hazard <laughs> uh, pretty soon <laughs> after this. Um, but you know, I mean, it this does achieve from like a screenwriting standpoint. There are a couple of ideas here, um, which are kind of fun, like the the lone shark who sings his original compositions to you while. His henchmen beat you up. That's a funny idea. <laughs> Wait, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't even think of that as a funny idea. Wow, it's a funny I, guess, idea. I guess it is. I guess, and it is. it's. I mean, this is like when we get to Cannonball Run, it is going to be the same structure as this right. movie. Like it's it's going to look a lot like this movie, except just with bigger stars and. Um, maybe more polish on every <laughs> in every conceivable way. Maybe I don't know. I mean, um, we do get a little bit more talent like uh, Dick Miller, always welcome presence here. Yeah, here. Yeah, we got Garrett Graham yeah. and Robert Carradine and and. Well, the, should we run down the? Yeah, let's run, run down. down. The, okay, let's do the cast. Let's, list. We'll, let's talk about Carradine, uh, Robert, uh, David Carradine last though, because we got some stuff to okay. talk to about him. All right, um, but I'm so just yeah. gonna. Uh, so I'll just run down real quick. So we have David Carradine, top mm-hmm. build, joins the two timer club. And Welcome to the two timer club, David. Right, and we're supposed uh, to we watch have... out for him in Death Sport. We're supposed to watch out for him. If, if you if you got to, <laughs> we the, are told to. We are told to watch out. Yes. Watch for David Carradine in Death Sport, which I, I Death I, Sport, which didn't was supposed to come out next, but then didn't came out like two, two three David Carradine movies later. <laughs> Yeah, and it is a race movie, mm-hmm. but it's not a wacky race movie, not a comedy. So we're not including it in the not series. including it. Sorry, guys. Even though it's deliberate attempt to redo to make another Death Race two thousand. So but, it's uh, up to you whether or not you want to take that advice to watch yeah. for David Carradine in Death Sport. Yeah, well, we'll talk more about old Dave. Okay, Bill McKinney, our villain who you may remember best from making Ned Beatty squeal like a pig in Deliverance. Um, I, Bill Kenny, I think he's slumming here. I don't know why he's not in a better movie um, playing a heavy <laughs> more often. I think he's actually pretty good in this movie. Really? Okay. I like him. I thought he was, uh, I like, I, I, I thought he was uh, convincing. Veronica Hamill. Maybe best known as public defender Joyce Davenport on Hill Street Blues and Jack's mom on Lost <laughs> is the love interest here. We have Robert Carradine, half-brother to David. That's where I recognized her. Okay. Do I smell a nerd? 
You space nerd. It's Skolnick yes. playing a very non-nerdy uh, surfer boy. We have Carl, Carl Gottlieb, uh, the paper editor in Jaws, and the newspaper screenwriter of Jaws and the jer- Jerk. Also co-writer for Jaws and the Jerk. He's in the Jerk too. We have Murray Warnoff. Welcome to the Two Timer Club, Mary. Back from playing Calamity Jane. Oh, Mary. Now she's driving a big van. Apparently, didn't know how to drive. <laughs> it was funny trivia <laughs> for this one, considering that she was driving in the previous collaboration. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. She was a welcome, uh, welcome sight. Uh, Dick Miller, who's also actually in the Two Timers Club. He has a very minor part in <laughs> Death Race 2000, credited as Chicken Gang. And I don't know. <laughs> at one point, that happens in Death Race 2000. Oh, so he's not a new addition. Okay. I didn't, yeah, I didn't recognize him from... Said chicken gang. Uh, Wendy Bartel, director Paul Bartel's sister, is a reporter at the finish line. She was also the one who sacrificed herself to Frankenstein. Oh, really? Okay. So welcome to the two-timer club. We've got (laughs) Roger Corman playing a district Mm -hmm. attorney. Don Simpson, Jerry Bruckheimer's future producing partner. Who co-wrote the assistant DA. And he co-wrote. This is Don Simpson's... Only credited screenplay. He's, he's got uncredited listing for one other, but this is the only thing he's been credited as writing. Well, he tried his hand and thought, maybe I'll stick to producing. <laughs> I obviously can't do this very well. <laughs> uh, we have uh, old Marty Scorsese in a cameo. Uncredited. Yeah, my, no, he is credited. He, he is, is credited. credited. My my jaw hit the floor when I saw that. So much so that I almost bl- I. Almost blunk and missed. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone sitting right over that bucket of KFC. <laughs> Scorsese and Stallone in the same scene. I think Stallone is actually kind of funny in yeah. his uh, uncredited entry into the Two Timers Club. Welcome, Sylvester. We have Joe Dante, director mm-hmm. Joe Dante, Roger Corman's stable mate, credited as Kid. I have no idea where he is in this I movie. I could not locate him. Jonathan Kaplan, director of The Accused and Project X, is a gas station attendant. We have Alan Arkish, director of Rock and Roll High School, and uh, called in to help try to rescue Death Sport uh, later on. And then we have three um, real bit players who I think might be uncredited in both movies. Peter Kornberg, Mary Robin Red, and Keith Mitchell, also in the Two Timers Club, putting at us a record... A new record, 10, 10 multiple, uh, multiple wacky racers in this and Death Race 2000. We have 10 mm. performers in common, blowing away the previous record by Monte Carlo or Bust, which still has only our, our only three-timer right. of uh, Jimmy Durante, Monte Carlo or Bust. But hey. Well, Terry of- Thomas would be in... Oh yeah, you're right. I don't have the spreadsheet. He's in, in front a four timer. I was going or, from memory. He was at least a three timer, right? Yeah. Wait, hold on. Okay, now I have to. I I was going from memory. No, Terry Thomas is a three timer. As is, uh, no, Jimmy Durant is a two timer. Yeah, I was thinking of Terry Thomas, or I should have been thinking of Terry Thomas. You all should always be thinking of Terry Thomas. You are right. <laughs> the guy who plays edit point. But Terry Thomas still has the record as our only three-timer. 
the guy who plays Zippo, uh, Archie Han, I kept going, where have I seen him before? I know I've seen him before. And he I kind of went looked through familiar. Yeah. Yeah. I went through his thing. He he's kind of like um oh, I can't remember his name. He's he he's a Joe Dante regular. Uh he okay. and Belinda uh Belinda Belaski tend to be in a lot of Joe Dante movies. Like Robert, is it Robert Pasquarelli? No. I forget. There's one guy who's in every single one of Joe Dante's movies. Anyway, um, but I recognize him from in inner space. A TV repairman shows up, or a delivery guy shows up to Martin Short's house, uh, and is prob and is probably an assailant. So Martin Short ends up beating him up. <laughs> so he got beat up by, <laughs> by Martin Short in uh, uh, inner space. How uh, did shot I your leave her off? What Louisa Moritz also in the Two Timers Club? Your favorite from my favorite. Given personal favorite. Very little to do here. Ira Glass. Uh, uh, highlight, <laughs> highlighted. Uh, it's like Ira Glass wasn't in this movie. Um, he would have helped though. I would have liked Ira Glass in this movie. That would have been fun. Uh, I've always been a fan of Garrett Graham. Whenever I see him here, and that was a strange story set up. So, well, uh, 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 now we've got uh, uh, Sharma Capri, played by Judy Canova in her last film role. Yeah, sponsor. Like, what? should I know her? I mean, I read through her credits, and she's she, a radio star mostly. She did a lot of really old films from the twenties and thirties. Yeah, um, nothing I'd ever heard of though. Her posters, I mean, nothing I'd ever heard of. Her posters kind of gave her kind of a Gilda Radnerish kind of like characterization of like you know, big characters okay. and things like that. So, spent the whole uh, movie thinking that she was the uh, Perman's mother. I did too. I thought she was his mom, but then the 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 first. It, She's just like a neighbor or, or like a sponsor, right? She's the manager. Manager. I, th I thought it was her mo his mother and his manager. Right. She's sure acting like his mother the whole time. Uh, but then in the credits, like they had different last names. I'm like, wait a minute. What's going on? Oh, well. Perman Waters was his name. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, but uh, yeah, that was. The, so he was doing radio <laughs> performances in the car. It's, it's you're just, laughing. It's a comical uh, situation, and you're well, laughing. La at I didn't it. laugh then. I don't, I I don't was know just why perplexed. I have to argue that this is a comedy. <laughs> I was just perplexed. Ah, man. Oh, and then, of course, there's the guy who plays, uh, I don't think it's ever spoken in the movie, Boutel. No, I didn't know his name. And he's just, ref he's just referred to mostly as the black guy. So thanks, movie. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, so I wasn't trying to go through. This is how we do it uh, when we're talking about like wacky race miniseries, right. ensemble comedies. I run down the you know the people teams. you may have Here's heard of teams. from other things. But oh, I don't I'm run sorry. down the the full the full cast Excuse list. Me. But no, this is good. Just to any first anyone who's just joining us, just for Cannonball because they're only want to get into the Cannonball Run movies right. in this series. So uh, here, that's I, I, I don't want you to have any misconceptions here. So here we have the cars we have are uh, uh, Coy Cannonball Buckman, David Carradine, who feels uh, he has to take his um, parole officer slash lover with him in the car, who later discovers <laughs> that his best friend is driving an identical car wearing the identical clothes as him, the pink hoodie, yeah. which was an interesting choice. 
Oh, that uh, Zippo. Oh, that Zippo. And then, um, so then we got that. Those are, those are two cars. Then we've got... Cade Redman. Cade. We got Cade being sponsored by uh, Perman and, Sh- and Sharma. Yeah. Uh, Cade Redman driving a black Dodge Challenger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It- I got to drive... Um, in Los Angeles, not too long ago, mm-hmm. when I got a free upgrade. It's funny; it didn't occur to me until later in the movie how cool the cars were. That's how crappy the photography was. Because <laughs> I was like, "Hey, wait! These are actually neat cars." <laughs> it's like an hour into it. Yeah, we don't even good shot of the. We don't even get a good shot of the paint job on that cargo van. Right. No, no, no. Yeah. It's just, it, well, yeah. Well, it's not he's, a cargo van. It's just a cool 70s van. As, as Paul Bartel said, he's not interested in, um, in cars that much. Um, actually, I, I finally remembered where I, I, knew I knew I knew Paul Bartel as an actor from some movie like, that I really loved. I just couldn't remember it. Then I remember he's in Usual Suspects, isn't he? He is. He's, he's, the, he's the messenger they pick up for New York's finest taxi service. Right. Okay. So I was like, yeah. Yeah, he's in a bunch of things. And this, this and movie there. rivals, I'm jumping all over the place. This movie rival, rivals um, Into the Night as being a, mo- as a movie filled with director cameos. <laughs> Should there's, do a there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. Well, that was just a John Landis thing. I mean, he did that. Uh, all right. Quite a bit, but yeah, I guess it was. I, I don't. Who was nearby and wanted a free bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken? I guess <laughs> exactly. Does, does Paul in that scene? Does he just go? Uh, I got to I can't eat this anymore. What does he say? He says something like, "Like he's like, I, I, I gotta stop eating stuff like this." I think. It, yeah. Doesn't something he? Like this. That. Does he even say this shit? I don't. Yeah, know. I I got to get back in my diet. I got to get back in my diet. No, fat looks good on you. (laughs) It works for you. By the way, Stallone, here's a a little little tidbit. Stallone, although he's uncredited, I happened to find out that Cannonball does have its own portfolio entry on SylvesterStallone.com. Nice. I would actually encourage you to go to SylvesterStallone.com, particularly the store, which is Sly Stallone Shop. Dot com, I think. Um, uh, but you can get there through SylvesterStallone.com. Um, the store has, uh, uh, yeah, even though I'm not really a big Stallone fan, I was happy to see a lot of things on there. You can get Rocky's fedora, which I always thought was more uh-huh. of a pork pie, but it's a fedora. But he does have some items on his store, lots of shirts and sweaters and things like that, uh, that I don't see other places. Like he's got a like a bourbon glass that says a Rambo etching on it, and he's actually got a bullet wedged into the side of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That'd I'm like, oh, glass. I kind of like that. <laughs> you did something different for a change. I like that. You can get your own Rocky Championship belt if you want it. I highly encourage going to, to, to check it out. But I, was, I, was, I thought it was fun that he had his own, uh, Cannonball has its own, Entry and write up for an uncredited Stallone appearance. It's nice. Well, good for him. Not does he have the one where he shows his dick? Well, he's got an Italian stallion robe. Does that help? <laughs> does that get yeah, him? good. I'm so, glad he's owning uh, his. Yeah, he's got to own it. His uh, filmography here. 
All right, so we got yeah. the Cannonball. We got Cannonball's car. Well, yeah, his entry on Cannonball is longer than his scene in Cannonball. That's cool. <laughs> Um, we got that. We got the players are Cannonball and then Zippo Faux Cannonball. You've got the uh, the, the women in the van, uh, Wendy. So they never really tell us the other two's names. Yes, all girl team. The all girl car. They're all girl team. Is there uh, referred to recurring trope? So right. I, I got to make the master spreadsheet of all like the plot uh, elements and stuff that recur. But this is no, our no, third. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is our third all-girl team. Right. Uh, oh, that's right. We had one in John T. Jalopy's. We had one in the Great Race. The Great Natalie Race. Wood. Natalie Wood. A, She's an all-girl team all team by of herself. One. Yeah. Um, so then we had uh, Robert Carradine and Belinda, who are the were called the surfer girls, but they never said they surfed. <laughs> no, but they're that the young was, dreamers. They were they were right. they were labeled that by the documentary crew. I yeah. aren't they adorable? Well, yeah, they uh, they said the surfing's no good these days. So they right. Gotta, so uh, and, and then you got uh, you got out while they're driving. Terry McMillan, you got uh, uh, Carl Gottlieb in his blazer. You've got um, and who else is there? Who else is there in the in the actual race? That we follow. Oh, Butel. Uh, Butel the, in the Lincoln Town Car. In the Lincoln Town Car. Which that that premise feels like a comedy. Yeah. And while it pays off, I'm not sure it pays off. The premise being? The premise being that he's entering the race by uh, using a car that he's being hired to drive cross country uh, that is unaware that he's using it for a race. And... It gets which, beat up the whole way down. Which happened in the original Cannonball Run. Two of the entrants did this oh, exact yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They picked up... They, they didn't have a car to enter in the race, so they just looked for an ad. They found an ad for someone who needed their... Um, it was a Cadillac driven from New York to L.A. And so they picked it up in the drove to the starting point and ran the race and ran the fastest road time. <laughs> like they, they pushed that car the hardest of any, like over the Ferrari that won. They, Sounds like uh, these two filmmakers weren't the only people who read that article. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but yeah, so he, you know, but let me ask you this. Did the real people throw four gallons of gasoline in the back of a towed police car? Well, that was not mentioned. That was mentioned. might be the kind of detail that you leave out. I don't know. Uh, yeah. He had a photograph of the car's owners. Why did he have that? No, they put that. That was oh, like okay. that's having a like your mother putting a picture of yourself on her bedside table. Right. Don't forget was, about us. And you know, I'm watching you. No, that's we're watching you while you're driving our car. <laughs> That's what that is. No funny business. The racist couple. Moment of uh, racial commentary. This might be our first moment of real racial commentary, like commentary on race relations when he comes to pick them, pick up the car, and then he drives off. He's all dressed very fancy in a three-piece suit. He's trying to put them at ease. Right. Yes, I'll take good care of your car. And then he drives off, and one of them says to the other, the old... The old white couple as they watch him go, I didn't know he'd be a 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, but what do you say? Does the does the end of the movie validate their concern? What that he wouldn't have wrecked his car if he wasn't black? Yeah, well, I'm just saying, do you think a lot of people say, yeah, see, that's why you don't do that, you know, because people love to jump to conclusions <laughs> about things I mean, that they're already predisposed to, to believe. He's doing a hustle. He's doing a hustle, uh, for sure. He spends the entire movie being a pussy hound. <laughs> uh, so, he so basically does... wrecks their car because he is trying to get the, the, the white ladies to give him their bra, <laughs> I guess. I don't so know. So my point is, is that... The movie has its first comment about race relation, but it does nothing to. It all it does serve is to strengthen it stereotypes. It's not doing anything to elevate the, the yes. conversation, <laughs> but it does. It does it comment that the existence of a, yeah, that there is existence yeah. of like. A, oh, yeah, I mean, we immediately. What it does is we don't feel bad when he wrecks their car because. We're immediately on his side because they're depicted as right. racist. So now, like, fuck them. Yeah, he should wreck their car. Right. You know, that's now what I that can, does. Now I can laugh because it's just going to yeah. be a racist couple. Yeah, they get, they're going to get what they deserve own. at the yeah. end. Yeah. See, that's how comedy works. <laughs> you got to get... <laughs> so, again, what are these mov- this movie's themes? This is the thing that really bothers me about this movie so um it seems to be if i had to guess that robert carradine the surfer couple that they're supposed to be the moral center of the movie right because the whole oh, time i was totally rooting for them they were just like oh yeah let's just do it you know they're they're they're, they're, they're all about the future. They're pl- planning the future out. They're doing this crazy thing in order to hopefully get a head start on their future. And then halfway through, they talk nah, about... that's not the reason not, they enter it. That's not, the only idea that occurs to them halfway through the race. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, no, no. They're talking, they were talking about buying a home from the very beginning. Yeah. They were talking I about mean, they want to be together. They want to be together. That's then, their plan. Then they talk they're, about... They're young entering, and in love. And then they're talking about a political career, which... Like uh, okay, so are we just talking about that? That they're are we are we are we upending stereotypes about no. like young young hippie kids? No, that shows how naive and flaky they are. Okay, that's that's that shows how unserious they are. So they there there's many many scenes about them in their fan belt that never seem the fan belt never seems to actually become a problem. But we do get long. Oh, sure, they get chased been... by a mall security. Well, well, uh, well yeah, but no, officer. the fan belt doesn't seem to be a problem because they they stop and a gas station says they spend a long time talking to this nice gas station guy, who says that ends the scene with the punchline. There's not an automotive place for 200 miles, yeah. which is not a punchline. But okay, this is sure a set up like one. that this is their physical conflict, right? That they must so overcome. Then they find a mall parking lot. And they decide to steal a fan belt, but leave money in a note. So they're Mm. decent folk, even though they're stealing. Then the mall cop comes, and they briefly steal the policeman's car and throw his keys away. Um, Never. They even make sure to spell reimburse correctly on the note. (laughs) Right. 
So this is how upstanding they are. This is this is all showing that they're upstanding individuals, even the fact that they're not really upstanding. Um, and I don't know why the we never see the thing that makes the cop go, "Hey, wait a second. <laughs> they, he just comes back, you know, "Hey, you guys, get you know, just suddenly dawns on him he's been bad. Yeah, uh, doesn't make uh, any sense. Anyway, so so then when um, in a in a in a in a dramatic shift, because the beginning starts with a dream sequence of David Carradine believing he's going to get another girl killed, and then he's shot in the head and his car rolls. He wakes up. <gasps> it was all a dream. Until later. It's actually Zippo who gets shot. Same shot of the same car rolling. So Dick Coy had some sort of premonition. Something bad was going to happen on this trip. He thought it was him, but because he was dressed like him, the future his, his psychic uh, ability was a little, a little off. <laughs> so our young couple, Jim and um, May, uh, Marianne, stop their Corvette. She picks up Linda's body. And they go, we got to go to a hospital. So good. They, they're abandoned. My favorite wacky race trope. My very favorite wacky. The unexpected alliance. Right. So far. It's Sacrificing the one thing- your place in the race to do a good deed and perform a rescue. Yes. So they do that. Now, this is the thing that's very weird. And I wonder if this is what. And I found this very affecting, by the way. Oh, yeah. That they would stop and pick them up. Yes, absolutely. But what this is, this, we need to talk about this pileup. Because the way that it's edited, it appears to be trying to say they stop to pick up her, they put her in the car, they zip out in front of this truck, and they cause this pileup to happen. And they hmm. don't, and, and as Mary Ann, yeah, they do, because you see the truck coming, behind, uh, coming up the road behind them as the actors get into the car. Then it cuts to a close up of that truck, then it cuts to their Corvette peeling out really fast in front and then the cuts back to the truck and the truck goes Aah! and it slips over and crashes. So, and then they go, Oh, there's a crash. Should we go back? And he's like, Oh no, we got to go to the hospital. And so, <laughs> so they are completely unconcerned with this thing that they just caused. They didn't cause the other wreck, but they're well, picking that up. Totally unconcerned I mean, with this. So I'm, I'm well, trying I, to figure out what's the commentary here. Because they caused this pileup. I don't know why you assume this movie has commentary about <laughs> because everything. What, well, but well, well, Death Race did. It's the most interesting part of that movie. And then Bartell actually says, yeah, but "Not every movie is a satire. This is not a." Well, you I put don't know. you put things together for a reason. You put this there to this there, and as as film viewers, we have to go. Is this? Does these things next to each other have meaning, or are they, or do they not have meaning? Is it pure sensation? Yeah, but so this movie is mostly pure sensation. (laughs) It's clear to me that they caused it, and so I'm like left to not be thrilled by this pileup. I think what we (laughs) learned in the course of this pileup is. Uh, for some reason, none of these cars can see what's happening up up, up the road. <laughs> they if like, they do, they're not hitting their brakes. It, it's like they're an idiocracy. They, they live in the world of idiocracy. And <laughs> that every one of these cars, at any sort of collision, is going to completely detonate. <laughs> right. 
they all what? have gas tanks located right behind the grill uh, under their hoods. <laughs> so I, I have a suggestion. I have a suggestion, and I think this would both help the uh, um, the sickening feeling of watching this movie, of this pileup, and help elevate the comedy. And I think they just need to put some ADR in. Right before <laughs> every single car hits, you hear the same thing. Well, what's this? Oh, we can make it. Boom. <laughs> Oh, what's this? Oh, we can make it. Boom. <laughs> yeah, we can make it. Boom. I mean, that would that would have helped immensely. <laughs> so Zippo's cannonball replica car is already wrecked on the highway. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there was a body lying in the road. I mean, I think that truck is going to crash no matter what. Yeah, but... They they time it purposely. That same truck you see in the wide shot as Robert Carradine is getting into the car. You see that truck coming up, and then it cuts to a close-up of it. So they're trying to tie the two together. I mean, yeah, they, maybe, they, I don't they, know. they, they work to that. tie it together. They work to tie this action with that. It's not the, the crashed car. Um, so anyway... Um, I mean, it could be they were just trying to show that, oh, they got out of there before it hit. But it really looks like mm. he speeds out in front of him because he's right there on top of him in the wide shot. He's right there. Um, anyway, I, I just, all this to say is that as a fan of the Blues Brothers pileups um, in the first Blues Brothers movie and not the second, uh, this one came off more like the second Blues Brothers movie in that it was disturbing <laughs> and I did not like it. Or the one in American Werewolf in London, which I find very disturbing. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen um, that movie in so long. I don't even remember a car pile up in that one. I need to, oh, yeah. I need to see it's it again. Extremely gratuitous. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but you know, this pile up is even referenced on the poster of the movie. On the poster, it says, um, See the pile up of the century. Yeah, well, like I, like, yes, it's, it's a the splashiest um, moment of the production for sure. It does lead to a, a pretty unique uh, conflict and uh, resourcefulness from the uh, Mary Warrenoff is going to have to navigate a maze to complete this race, <laughs> which might get some listeners of this podcast excited that some maze completion had to be happening. <laughs> happening okay can i just run through the structure of this movie real quick you, you can if only before after i say one thing uh i'm, I'm, I'm not going to put it as a nitpick because if i if i put it as a nitpick for this movie i got to do it for every movie but for for people entering a cross-country race that they are trying to win they are very cavalier about their tires in that that they drive through construction sites and full-on car pileups and and they must have super tires because those tires <laughs> don't pick up any nails, any shrapnel. They're they're fine. They're all fine. So I think that whoever they should whoever tire, the car, tire manufacturers were at this time, they should have put their ad dollars on this movie. Because, Incredibly, uh, this is also related to reality. Is it? And one of the teams in uh, the first or second Cannonball Run. Um, discovered that when they got a flat that they did not have a spare. And they just wrote it out? <laughs> no, no. They had oh. to spend two hours finding a, a tire that 
they could change into. All right, let's talk structure. So it happens. Okay, structure is very simple. Uh, this is one of those movies where we just jump right into introducing the teams. How have we been talking Races. for 46 minutes already? That's crazy. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Interruptions like that will <laughs> kind of help. All right. Uh, we just, just jump right into establishing the teams. We meet them all, get their motivations. We race commences. They all gather at the starting place. A quick rivalry is formed between Cannonball and, and Cade Redman. They're being sponsored by the same team. They both are trying to get back into racing. Whichever you wins, you're on my team. The other one's not. Uh, race begins. We have a big middle portion of the movie, which is just driving from Los Angeles to, to New York. It's mostly freeform vignettes. Until we get the entering New York City phase, which is where consequential things will happen, like giant pileups and uh, trying to drive on inco- incomplete, uncompleted highways. And then they get to the finish line. And then we have like a two scene denouement. It's a very, very lean, uh, very amorphous structure. Now, if I can go with the longer version mm. of that. Okay, you already. Oh, please talk through some of this so all right let me just run through introduction of the team okay uh cannonball wakes up he's in bed with his parole officer he's on parole he just got out of jail uh he goes he he skips out we know this because we see her badge next to the bedside zippo his mechanic he's been working on the car all night we get to the race start okay they're leaving from uh the uh, Santa Monica Pier, get a little yeah. vintage Santa Monica Pier. They're the going the, in the other opposite direction. The real Cannonball Run, they go from, they do what Death Race 2000 does. They go from New York City to to Redondo Beach. Yeah, if you think about it, Death Race drove from New York out to California. This movie is them going back. So this yeah. is kind of like, this is like That's to avoid the two halves of Mad Max. Current Driver room. magazine, right. I think. <laughs> Oh, you're doing the yes, the uh the Mad Max Fury. I'm doing the there thing. And back. There and back again. Okay. Big big plot moment at the starting point though. Turns out the DA is on to us. He's sending the cops after us. The cops are gonna be trying to interfere with this entire race, right? Well, we actually, ne- no. Once no they, we never hear from them again. Uh, no, there's, <laughs> there's no more and, and there's a documentary crew that is taping yes. the race. They promise they're not going to air this until after the race. Yep. Until yep. later Scouts on in the movie honor. when they say, you know what? We pr- Wait, you said we promised not to uh, let this uh, uh, show the air this until after the race. Well, the people have to know. And and what happens after that? Nothing. They don't, they don't do Nothing. anything with it. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't go anywhere. It <laughs> doesn't go anywhere. They had his KSMV TV, by the way. With the big yellow van, KSMV is um, uh, a, a, a translator station, a rebroadcast translator station. Um, I think our a person who would like the maze could tell us more about this. Uh, yes, uh, I, he'll probably particular. tell me I got the term wrong already, so I'll stop trying to say what it is. Okay, um, <laughs> just give <it> up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. So. We have uh, an important 
plot device in these things. There's someone with a double motivation. They don't just want to run the race. They've got some ghost of the past they're trying to redeem themselves for. In this case, Cannonball, uh, he's trying to reestablish his racing career. Once he gets interrupted when he got thrown in the clink. But his probation officer, Linda, she shows up at the race. She's trying to stop him. He says, no, I'm going to make you go with me. Um, and I forget how he even gets her in the car. I don't but think, yeah, I don't know either. I think she just doesn't He just charms it. her. He just charms her in. The old Dave Carradine boring, <laughs> mirthless stare. I don't know. You know, for as creepy as this sounds, I think he had a better, well, no. I will say the one thing that I think David Carradine does do well in this movie is... Unzip his hoodie. <laughs> oh, and have his hoodie eat his white shirt underneath of it and it never appear again. Yeah. No, his, I think, uh, the hoodie zipper continuity officer really fell down to the job <laughs> on this one. Like, <laughs> who walked through his door and now his hoodie is like completely uh, zipped or unzipped. Uh, I, I was just gonna say he does convey that he has a that he cares for Linda, so that that does come across. Oh, man, uh, I, that's about it. Dave, okay, I'm thoroughly convinced I don't like David Carradine <laughs> as a as a screen performer. Yeah, uh, he I, I, he I, he brings nothing to this part. No, I think it's terrible casting. Maybe it's bad acting. He shows some proficiency with kicks. Does he? <laughs> but he like give. I think he's so uninvested in this movie, which is weird considering what a big hit the previous one was. Um, he's so uninvested in it that he kind of spiritually gives up halfway through each kick in that in that in that uh, gas station like uh, uh, grocery store fight, which yeah. he apparently he choreographed all of them, all these fights. Um, Paul Bartel and- also uninterested in fights. Yeah. <laughs> But like you can just see David Carradine do his little spin kick and then just kind of like, oh, what are we? What are like, we doing? You guys <laughs> like work on that. I got to practice right. piano. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, very uninspired in every in every moment of it. It's that's what kind of makes it a drag to watch, honestly. But Carradine's had some training in kicks, whereas yeah. he does not look very comfortable throwing a punch on screen. <laughs> That's why you got to keep with the kicks. You know. Also, you know, he's a cool dude, not just because of the pink hoodie, but the soft moccasins. He'll kick yeah. you, but with soft moccasins. Well, and I bet those are lotioned. Yeah. You know, he, um, the, the feet, not the moccasins. The, uh, he can pull off, you know, brown moccasins and a pink hoodie and a red kerchief. So, like, pink and red, that was bothering me the whole time. Yeah, while driving a <laughs> orange car. red car, yeah. With a pink hoodie, it was just bothering me. It was uh, got my seasons messed up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh we have a little cheating here. Cade does a little sabotage, throws his jack away. Jack's his jack over the fence. Okay. Uh my first genuine laugh of the movie is when Family Guy shows up, uh, Paul Bartel in a Chevy Blazer, his wife yeah. and oh, his uh, mousy Carl wife Gartley, and two daughters. Like, 
you know, good luck, honey. I packed you a picnic. Uh, she, she should have packed him a picnic lunch or something. Oh, yeah. or lunch he had a thermos for sure. Yeah, a little thermos. He's like, thermos. I, I got to do this for the family. And he looks <laughs> completely out of place, boarding his Chevy Blazer. They're going to find out this guy is twice a cheeser. All right. Um, Wait, and your first laugh was what? Just a, the... The fact of this family guy being like seen off at at the illegal race with all these like convicts and miscreants is like so, well, so just, bye, just, honey, just just to be clear, there was no there was no joke, right? The joke is him. <laughs> he is the joke. Okay, just wanted to be sure. You know, it'd okay. be like a Paul Candy, uh, J- Paul Candy, Paul Candy, like a John Candy kind of. You know, well, bye, honey. I'm going to give it my best shot. I'm going to do yeah. this illegal street race. I mean, yeah. that piqued my interest. I will I will say that. Yeah. Um, and that you'd bring your daughters to see you up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but then what's he going to do, Wade? He's going to drive right to the airport and board a cargo plane. Why has no one ever thought of this before? In these coast-to-coast races. This is the, the first picture. coast-to-coast race movie we've had. No, it's not. Not <laughs> well, even guess, close. Well, I guess you're right. <laughs> what am I saying? You, I guess I need to work on that spreadsheet for you. Oh, what, are we, what are we doing next week? <laughs> <laughs> he gets on. He's cheating. He goes to the airport and getting mm. on a plane. And then, that's not even the worst of it, Wade. He's cheating on that family we just met. That family that showed up with him with a picnic lunch at the illegal they, street race? They packed him a lunch, and he's cheating with this blonde oh. bimbo. Real 70s, uh, uh, bubbly blonde bimbo caricature uh, played by your favorite, Louisa <laughs> Moritz. keep saying that. Doesn't really get any choice. She was my favorite in character in the first movie. Yeah, but movie. Yeah, she doesn't get any... She yeah. doesn't have any like she, in in the first movie she had, as we saw from heard from that great radio episode uh, <laughs> that she had a lot of conflict in her character. That was interesting, but not a lot of conflict here. She's got not a lot one of thing on here. her mind, and it ain't the race or that bottle of champagne. <laughs> Certainly not the bottle. Of we'll come back to that, or even consequences, because she's just oops. In a way. In a way, this might have all been her, her her plan all along, which is pretty brilliant. If she, <laughs> but uh, it, wait, it wasn't brilliant get of him. On the phone. If it wasn't brilliant of him, okay, okay uh, drop. I'm going to put in the whole thing. I'm going to produce here in a minute. <laughs> Excellent. Um, why does he bring her to the finish line? It, it yeah. isn't isn't his family going to see or read anything about this? Didn't rim? he see the TV van at, right. at the Santa Monica Pier? Doesn't he expect them to be there? He's like, oh, the internet doesn't exist for another 30 years. Doesn't he <laughs> see that Wendy Bartell is going to be reporter at the finish line in the credits? Wendy Bartell, you don't, you don't that's not something to shake us to totally disregard. My God. And then I love it that when she does spill the beans, how she left it on the plane, she's just as happy as she was when she remembered she left it on the plane. She's so like, just like, giggly. She's I'm just like, giggly. she's like, this is great because now it's going to be all over the news that he won, but he lost because he cheated because we found out from this blonde woman that was with him 
Then her wife's going to say, who is this blonde woman? She's going to take the kids and leave, and then she gets him all to herself. Brilliant plan, except Uh, one flaw with this is is that she's then stuck with him. She loves, she's totally I into guess him. she's totally into him. You know, more power, yeah. more power to him, I guess. Well, no, there is prize money her, here. Unlike the her. actual Cannonball Run, there is prize money here. Was it 10000 20000 100000 100000 That's, that's real hundi, money. Hundi. That's real you money. You could make a Roger Corman movie for $100,000. <laughs> Think of what you could do. So you know what? That would be a fun thing to do is to go through a bunch of major motion pictures where where the ransom or the prize money or the merger money or any of that or the the host like we're holding the world hostage if unless you give us this much money, whatever that is, compare it to the budget of the movie and see (laughs) if it's higher or lower. (laughs) That would be fun. A new spreadsheet. New spreadsheet. Oh, we get to do more spreadsheets. Uh, One of my favorite details in this movie is when he meets his 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 side piece on the on the airplane. He sets down the champagne, which is going to save for when they win. When he sets it down by her foot, then he walks his little fingers up her up her shin. Little cute little bit of business there. Okay. Yeah. We're going to get back to them. Cannonball gets a flat at some point. He's got no jack. His jack got jacked. What does he do? Didn't uh, Cade stab the tire? I can't No. I can't remember. Uh, he gets run off the road at some point. Oh, right. Cade's, yeah, Cade's all playing very aggressively. I'm not going to mention Perman Waters. Uh, because Perman <laughs> Waters doesn't actually factor into the plot, as it turns out. He will yeah. manage to uh, write and record a hit song, which will rise up the charts during the course of this race, and everybody <laughs> will be singing and hearing on the radio by the end. And uh, he does borrow take Marianne's guitar from her. Yeah, but that also doesn't play into anything either. Well, yes, two guitars, two, two guitars are ruined. Guitars. We had one guitar in Death Race Two Thousand. Uh, mm-hmm. Calamity Jane's Navigator had a guitar. We have two people: one of the Surfer Girl and Perman Waters. Waters. Both have guitars. But yeah, Perman's, Perman's little little own conflict is he's trying to become a star. Cade, the bad guy, hates his guts. Oh, my second genuine laugh of the movie, I think, was when we have Cade, bad guy, all intense, real roughneck driving, and then next to him, all in his cartoonish cowboy get-up, Perman is on his guitar going, Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. And he's doing it like locking eyes with Cade, like he's yeah. trying to win him over. That was genuinely funny. <laughs> kind of the rest of the, I need to sing my song and, and you're going to be annoyed at it. That, that kind of got old. It didn't really go anywhere. But the, it was funnier when he, he thought he was just learning how. Like This whole well, idea is that he's going to launch his career, but he's still learning scales. Well, Perman and Sharma's storyline don't factor in or matter 
to the movie at all. Well, not to the race. Not to no. the race or to the movie. The, there's only one thing that is a consequence of that whole their of their whole storyline, and we'll get to that. There, there is one thing of a consequence. Okay, all right. You'll have to point it out. Uh, let's see. Cannibal gets a flat. He backs his car up onto a rail. Pretty smart. So overcomes that conflict. Um, uh, then he wrecks his car at some point. Oh, and his, <laughs> in, the, just... in the fight at the gas station, his, um, his headlights get kicked in. Okay, do we, should we discuss, do you want to save the discussion of this fight or uh, until after your structure? Or no, let's we, do it here. At some here. point, there's a fight at a gas, they both stop they both at stop. a gas station they both and decide stop. to have a fight. Um, this poor guy who owns this little countryside store has to yeah. watch Cannonball entire... doesn't even appear to need gas. No. <laughs> he just yeah, stops to get in a fight. He just stops. Pretty dumb fight. idea when you're in a race. <laughs> it was very dumb. That's why I kind of didn't have any sympathy for it. So yeah, so they do trash this place. Like like it almost felt to me like that overstuffed little store was a real little store and they just literally tore up their stuff. <laughs> it didn't really look staged to be fight safe. Except for the entire top rack of Campbell's soup cans, which made me wonder, <laughs> right. you know, what did KFC and Campbell's soup actually pay for the product placement? Was it really just like, here, you can have a bunch of cans of soup. <laughs> That's probably it. Here, you can just have, there, we'll yeah. give you a bucket of chicken. Yeah, that's crafts and services soup. for the day. And we'll give you a couple of cans of soup. Yeah, so we've sponsored your movie. Tax write-off. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but, they, you know, there are some falls, Cade falling into some of these racks. Does look like it hurts. After a while, though, it just gets real silly and not in a fun, silly way to me. I was really, again, put off by this fight. <laughs> but there is a funny part where he's, where Cannonball at the end, after Cade runs away and smashes his headlights, yeah. smashes Cannonball, uh, Koi's headlights, uh, he's doing that while Koi is paying the guy whatever money he has left on him. Because like, here you go. That. That shop owner pretty slow to bring out that shotgun <laughs> while his store is being wrecked. His store's being completely destroyed. Like he might want to be a over here. <laughs> but if he has to fire his shotgun in the ceiling, then he's got to prepare the ceiling that would otherwise be, you know. <sighs> yeah, it's it's a tough situation. I don't know what I would do. So I. Well, while Cannonball has to drive at night now without headlights, which the natural consequence of which is he gets sleepy. (laughs) It's not a problem that he can't see. It's that not being able to see where he's driving makes him sleepy. And he will fall asleep and run off the road. And that's what totals his car. This was such a bizarre sequence to me. Because, again, you, you put his... Like realizing his lights are out, and then you connect that directly to him getting sleepy. <laughs> it feels like a cause yeah. and effect when it, <laughs> I don't know why. When elsewise in the movie, we've seen Butel get sleepy behind the wheel in broad daylight and just continue to drive. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, oh, oh, that's right. Surfer yeah. couple drive up and save him. They're right. courteous. 
They're concerned for the well-being of their fellow competitors. Like, where would they all be if it wasn't for that surfer couple, right? I did, they have hearts of gold. I love these kids. <laughs> it's going to be okay. a great race. Redman gets a biker gang. Friar Red, Tuck wait, and his Red merry men. And they attack. Friar they Tuck. attack the cannonball team. And we see... We see Veronica Hamill putting on some moves. Oh, She's yeah. She's actually... She wipes the know, floor with all of them. Got some judo moves. She throws some punches. Uh, she looks like a better action star than David Carradine, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> she certainly does. And, of course, because she wins this fight, this needs explanation. We can't just have her be good in the fight. Yeah, she this can't is, be. The audience is going to ha- start asking questions that need to be answered, and so she has uh, to I explain. Was, I was br- br- briefly possessed by the god of uh, Athena, <laughs> so I was no, able to do no. that. that. That would be an explanation, but it, no, she went to a rape <laughs> clinic. She learned that at a police rape clinic. That's, oh, that's why she was able to do a judo throw. Okay. It all makes sense now. <laughs> Why can Cannonball do spin kicks? Well, he's Cannonball. Right. But she... He's, he's a cool yeah. dude. But she had to learn that at the rape clinic. Anyway. It, another point of perplexion for me was what was Zippo's plan? He drives right up to these guys and goes, well, I guess they're in for it now. Gets up and immediately gets the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> like... He's immediately he's, he's taken out of the car by like four guys. What did he think was going to happen? This is like the cartoon sidekick, you know. This is like Scrappy Doo. Like, let me at him, yeah. you know. I'm I'm just as good as my my hero and best buddy Cannonball. <laughs> if he can fight, so can I. It's that. It's that. Uh, yeah, it is. It's that energy. That's what he's bringing to it. Uh, let's see, uh, ladies, the ladies, the all girl team, they get pulled over and use their sex powers against the cops <laughs> so that they don't go to jail. Um, by the way, in the real original cannibal run, second place was a sports van. Like, this oh, I one. thought you were going to say a sex party. <laughs> <laughs> sex powers was the it, second. Well, that might be the case. I don't know. It was the uh, it was the Polish Race Driving Association team. Oh, entered in a big van with one ton of fuel in the cargo bay, in big fuel drums, connected to the fuel tank with uh, custom lines and pumps, so that they wouldn't have to stop for gas. Wow, but then they'd have and to they'd have to have enough horsepower to move a ton of gas. It was a it was a big seventies van. It was like a it was a sports van. Wow. And so they didn't run the fastest, but they didn't have to stop for gas, except they miscalculated and they had to stop in Albuquerque. But they made it from New York to Albuquerque without stopping for gas. And came in second. Less than uh less than an hour behind the Ferrari that came in first. Wow. Which uh, only had to stop for a gas seven times and could go faster than the van, so it won. 
Only stopping seven times cross country. Wow. Had good mileage. Uh, <laughs> I guess so. In seventies terms, which was like twenty miles per gallon. But had the, I think it had extra large tank. <laughs> okay, surfer kids need a fan belt. We covered that. Um, the Butel uh, keeps trying to flirt with the girls, but he keeps getting run off the road. Eyes on the prize, them. Butel. Eyes on the prize. Sprayed with. <laughs> Sprayed with the uh, um, uh, fire extinguisher, et cetera, et cetera. He does throw all three of his spare fuel cans. I thought one would have done it. <laughs> I did too. But throws all three in the cop car uh, because he's mad at them because they're having sex with the girls. He can see that they're being <laughs> their cop car is being towed by the van. I don't know why the van is slowing itself down, towing the cop car, but he can see the feet inside. Apparently, those girls weren't just like planning to kidnap the cops with the lure of sex. We're made to believe that they're actually having sex with the cops. And Butel can tell by the foot action in the window. He's mad. He's jealous. So he throws the uh, gas cans in the cop car and blows it up. Uh, and that does not cause him to run off the road, even though the explosion should be happening right next to him. Right. <laughs> That should I mean, this probably this, burn his face. These were two two car explosions where in this movie, right, where a car was being towed by another car, except that the first one it wasn't supposed to look like it. Like the Lamborghini blows up, but it's actually being towed by the police car, right? I mean, in reality, it's like a fabricated oh, I don't know, fake Lamborghini being because the police car got in front of it. And then it hit 160 and blew up. Oh, this is the German driver. We the German driver. We didn't him. talk about him yes. because you know why? Doesn't matter. <laughs> well, he is, you movie. know, he does matter. Okay, we haven't talked about the real plot of this movie, which is Cannonball's older brother. Right. This is the part that Paul Bartel finds interesting in the movie, obviously. Because yeah. it involves his scenes. Because <laughs> it involves his singing <laughs> and playing the piano. Right, right, right. Okay. Cannonball's older brother, played by Dick Miller, is he owes money to this loan shark, played by Paul Bartel, who's like a Paul Bartel, the director of Cannonball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. He owes him money, and this guy's mob connected. So, in order to pay him back, he's betting on Cannonball to win the race, and to help Cannonball win the race, he's going to cheat. On Cannonball's behalf, on the mm. race, which means most of the cheating in this movie is not being done by the villain, but it's being done unwittingly by the hero, who is such a fuck mm. up, he still almost loses the race. <laughs> Despite his brother killing several people, including, well, all, in, in fairness, part of Benny's um, fuck ups is that he ends up sending his goons who end up targeting Cannonball. Well, here's the like other his own brother. cheating on behalf is right. Zippo. Right. Zippo's, hey, I'm in the race too, is like, he's a fucking cheater. Yeah, he's, it's totally a cheating. <laughs> you know, illegal, foul, foul. What uh, I don't, what I don't understand. Should, has no objection, though. He's Why a, does Cannonball think that Linda would be safer with Zippo 
when he's driving the same car wearing okay. the same clothes as him. That it, makes it, no sense. It, um, <laughs> I, I, this is a good question. Why does, <laughs> why write your movie so that your principal hero and his love interest are separated, but their becoming reunited is not a conflict, is not a plot motivator. Right. It's not like he's trying to get back with Linda. He's right. He sent her away, and now he has so, no one to talk to in his car. He can just get sleepy and roll his car when he's. Got it's no a pretty light. terrible choice. It's a horrible like, choice. You know, it's so that she can learn about yes. him from Zippo in one conversation that could have happened at a gas station. Right, where Zippo basically you know. says it was him that was driving that got the the girl killed, and and uh, Cannonball took the. Basically lied rap. and said he took the rap because he figured Zippo wouldn't wouldn't survive in prison. Accurate. He could. <laughs> Accurate. Zippo can barely survive in that hoodie. Oh wait, he doesn't. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Zippo's a pretty big fuck up himself. <laughs> yeah. uh, but another thing that gets me is that all these people who are trying to run a race. Uh, keep loading their cars up with other people who are useless to their. Like Cade's got two people in his car recording songs. Well, they're paying <laughs> his way. Yeah, that's one. Yeah. Uh, Wendy doesn't ever switch out drivers with her other two girly girls. No, uh, you know. So why does she that we pick see. them up? Someone why needs to hold the piss up? bottle. I think maybe <laughs> I don't know. Yes. And then, um, but she needs someone to fuck the cops when they get pulled over. I guess she needs over. someone to do that, right? Yeah. And then, um, you know, Cade uh, Coy brings her at the last second, which just extra weight, meaning more gas, meaning more stopping. Ugh. Oh well, I shouldn't be nitpicking these things about this particular movie. It's a waste of time and energy. <laughs> that's your that that's the problem with this movie. Not realistic enough. <laughs> that's the issue. Uh, let's see. Um, there's an unfinished highway in New York City where Cannonball kills Redman by luring him into jumping a trap. Oh, but yeah. before we get to this, there's some demolition derby action in a junkyard right. oh. where they will get uh, interfered with by a security officer who will successfully cut off and stop Redman and then run straight at his window with his pistol. Yeah, <laughs> his way of apprehending Redmond is to run at top speed and stick his pistol <laughs> through the passenger window rather than just like aim it at him, right? So that Redmond can grab his arm and and drive off, which is a pretty good stunt. Probably the stunt of the movie. I really got worried for that stunt man. Yeah, that was yeah. Not, that looked dangerous. That did look dangerous. Um, we didn't talk about the acquisition of the new car. The Mustang. Because it so doesn't matter. <laughs> we, well, yeah, because basically they have to... It's not against to, the rules. <laughs> it's not against the rules. He, yeah. he, 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 he gets towed to a facility, uh, and they figure out who he is, and they yeah, say, the hey, we'll trade... There were so many directors in this movie, I kept, tra- I kept thinking that one car nerd was Spielberg, because he looked a lot like uh, Spielberg. So I kept trying uh, to verify, no. was that Spielberg, and I couldn't, couldn't verify it. But the one of the uh, the green and the yellow A's hat and the overalls 
Uh, Ichabod walked through the room and was like, oh, it's Luigi. <laughs> it's Luigi. Right. So they give him, they just give him, they, we'll take your broken car for this car for the glory of you winning in our car. Um, it gets, and he's, boy, Carrie Dean's razzing on this car. It's a cool car. Um, should probably keep its hood down, locked think, down a little better, but. <laughs> yeah, cool he's car. dropping some, uh, some slang here. I think he might have read some car and driver. Yeah. Uh, um, but anyway, so so nothing about this car he calls it a Coos cruiser, right? Nothing about this car helps uh, Cannonball do any better at the end of this race, other than just the fact that it's got lights and therefore he won't get sleepy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he does. The lights don't shine in his face to keep him awake. <laughs> exactly. But um, they they're driving around that construction onto this they, road. <laughs> they do their demolition thing, derby in the thing, which probably is where all the money went because to this movie because they probably had now had to have multiples of a car, right? Because they kept smashing it and they would probably end up having to stop. And they kept probably driving over nails and puncturing tires. And their tire budget was probably through the roof. Anyway, so they do the thing where he drives up, Carradine drives up and sees that the, the overpass isn't finished and then lures Cade up there. Now, this is where the Perman's uh, shawarma storyline finally pays off. <laughs> because it, Cade's um, uh, distaste and violence toward his music and his musical instruments is what does him in, right? Because uh, uh, Koi, oh, yeah. ramps, <laughs> Koi right. ramps over this thing, no problem. And then he's apparently going to be able to do the same thing, but his uh, his accelerator pedal is blocked by the shrap guitar shrapnel That's from right. uh, his broke Perman's broken guitar. Perman's so, revenge. Perman's revenge. So uh, I've been break. planning for months just how <laughs> I would win. Which is a strange so. first line for the song, considering it's not a movie that shows any evidence of planning on. <laughs> Anyone's part. Except for Terry McMillan's. He's the only one who planned anything. That's true. Terry McMillan, that's an author, isn't it? <laughs> Terry, um, um, uh, Carl Gottlieb, let's just say. Carl, Carl Gottlieb. His character planned. Had yes. a whole thing. He did plan. It's funny is that nobody, you know, they had all these choppers that uh, and helicopters that apparently were tracking all these cars and could see where everybody was. Nobody knows there was no blazer. Because he was but, such a boring guy, right. that was part of his cover. And part of, I nobody did gave really him a like chance. It. I did think it was funny when his car shows up and the people running the race go, oh, oh it's not going to be him, is it? <laughs> where, okay. are the other, where are the We're other cars? We're almost there. Wait, just let me <laughs> let me be structured right oh, here. Oh, sorry, okay. sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. So now we're getting into the city. We have the big pile up. Uh, sniper kills Zippo. Poor Zippo. Um, that was Big Brother. No, who ordered the sniper? I think that was Big Brother. That was Sharp. That was the guy that um, I think set the um, the guy. The sniper was the same guy who put the bomb on the um, Lamborghini. I think. Yeah. Okay. That was pretty confusing. Where we just like way at the beginning of the movie was yeah. a scene where it they Zippo's play, under under a bomb. It's like these characters we haven't met yet. We haven't met Dick Miller yet. We don't know who he's talking to. 
We see them plant a bomb. We don't see what car they plant a bomb in. It's not clear why. It's not going to be clear why they do it for a long time. So then we're going to wonder, oh, well, which car got the bomb planted on it? It turns out it's the German who mm-hmm. looks down on the stupid, uh, stupid American cars. They look like Tootsie Rolls on wheels. I had to go back and listen to that three times. I'm like, what is he saying? Because Tootsie uh, Rolls on wheels doesn't make any sense. It doesn't have mm. anything to do anything anything. Except maybe it's more product placement. <laughs> maybe just like our my favorite, the best product placement in this movie is the sniper among his bullets has a pack of life savers. Right. <laughs> that was and just... as he's taking up position and he's about to kill Zippo, he pops his lifesaver out and goes, Green. <laughs> <laughs> Genuine laugh. Yeah, okay. There are some genuine laughs in this movie. I thought There's like three or four, and only way, three or four. The way he picked it up, I literally thought he was going to put it in the chamber of his rifle and click it. It did, and then yeah. it jam. I, I really thought he was going like, to do that. Get it mixed that. up or something. Yeah, exactly. He was going to click, like, be reaching for it and, like, flap, 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 and bullets going. It makes more sense if it was a shotgun, maybe. It's more of a shotgun shot. Yeah. Shoot, but. Well, now we know how to fix it. <laughs> when we redo it. So I guess because Zippo's ahead of, uh, he's already sent a cop to pull over Zippo and beat him up, but the cop pulls up Cannonball instead, and it's a fake cop, and we we talked about that. Okay. All right. They're getting into the city. Final race. Girl team navigates the the fire maze. Cannonball took a different route because he jumped the unfinished highway. So, yeah, and you don't get a sense that it's a neck and neck between them, even though it is. And like, yeah. but we never, we don't, there's no rivalry between them. There's no, they don't know each other. They no. don't know about each other. So there's really no tension here. And, uh, but yet still, even though there's no tension, still it's a deflation that the, 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 the all girl team gets stopped in an alley and that's it. End of their story. Done. Especially since, like, the story of this team is that the Mary Warrenoff character, we've seen her determination and resourcefulness. She jumps the yes. ramp at the beginning. Like, she gets through the construction by jumping the ramp. Uh, she's, you know, yelling at and bossing around the, the two waitress girls who are a little more of a floozy type where she's, like, all... She's very determined behind that wheel. And so I'm waiting to see... Like, how is she going to get out of this alley, the right. situation? And then she just, like, gives up. Yeah, it just stops. Uh, yeah, it just it was, stops. Like, yeah, ingenuity just ran out. It was really disappointing. Yeah, it was. Uh, anyway, Chevy Blazer, that guy, he gets off the airplane. He cools it at a motel. He knows not to show up right away. Mm-hmm. So we get these gags of him and... Um, and Louisa Moritz, you know, doing a little bubble bath, footsie, a uh, little little bouncy bouncy on the mattress, and she'll be like, "Where are we now?" We're like, "Oh, we'd just be crossing the Rockies." Cut to drivers driving on completely flat land, <laughs> being shot day for night, hoping right. that you won't notice <laughs> that they're outside Bakersfield or something. Um. Uh, and so when he shows up, he pulls into the lot and says, oh, we have a winner. It's a Chevy Blazer. Surprise, surprise. The reporters all rush up. 
And he's like, well, I guess it's time to break out that champagne. Side piece, what's her name? Whatever character's name is. She goes, I left it on the plane. And everyone's like, airplane? What? It doesn't exactly give away the cheat. The fact that she says, I left champagne on the airplane. She could have flown to Los Angeles to meet him. Right. To to embark on the drive. She could have flown, you know, whatever. She could, he could have picked her up en route. But then it's her big reaction. She does the, ah! oh, I gave it away look. That's what gives it away. And just because it wasn't a broad enough reaction, we have to do close up and do it again. Right. She's going to do it even <laughs> bigger and close up. Yeah. And really sell it. And that Boom. was my. Final genuine laugh of the movie. <laughs> just because it was so ridiculous and over the top and silly. It was just silly. But what does this mean, Wade? So he's disqualified. We're in a multiple winner situation. <laughs> Sorry, what's really funny now is it's your excitement and positive motivation over this movie. I mean, this was what was exciting about the end of Monte Carlo <sighs> or Bust, right? Right. As we yeah, kept I was getting saying, winners this is, who kept being disqualified. We kept getting winners. We who loved it when winners. it happened there, right? Yes, we loved it. We was loved it. So it was somebody, fun. well, there was no, there was no guy there getting more and more drunk with each winner. So we no, missed that. No, it, it didn't have the pacing of Monte Carlo or Bust. That's for sure. But I love, I love that this is happening. Okay, so who's going to pull into the lot next? Cannonball. Our hero, the guy we're supposed to have been rooting for this whole movie, even though I sure haven't <laughs> supposed been. Supposed to be. But he pulls in. He's declared the winner. But to make it official, you got to punch your ticket in the thing because it's really when you left the parking lot over there and get into the lot, parking lot over here. So and Zippo had no chance of winning. It's a staggered, <laughs> that's right. It doesn't make any sense. They have to pick one of them to, to get to the entrance. Um, so a staggered start. Cannonball makes it. But when he... Dick Miller, big brother, can't keep his mouth shut. He has to let slip about the pileup and about too bad about Zippo. Too bad about Linda Maxwell being in the hospital. And David Carradine, Cannonball, does... One of the big tropes in our series is the hero who loses the race on purpose for love and honor. Right. Because it's more important to him that he rushed to the hospital for Linda than that he punched the ticket. And he's mad at his brother that he got Zippo killed. So he tears up the ticket and he runs out. So we're going to have another winner. We're going to have a third winner of this race, Wade. Mm-hmm. And who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Who's left? There's like nobody, nobody left. Except for so what the server co- kids. Oh, I thought the German's corpse was just going to flaming kind of peter <laughs> in. Yeah, a flaming tire rolls in with the... Which, the surfer guy, Jim Crandell, has to be convinced to finish the race. Because he's just going to give... He's, let's just go to... They're at the hospital. Like, let's just go to a hotel. Well, he's tired. He needs he's sleep. He's tired. He needs sleep. And he, and the, but then he asks for pharmaceutical assistance. <laughs> That's right. From a doctor who's like, huh? So that would be cheating, except he does get it from a licensed medical practitioner. Yeah. And this is, this is something I thought was interesting. 
So clearly they've been setting up, they're like the moral center of the movie and that they have, they should, they are the right people to win the race. Yeah. Um, and then when they do, the camera is like a block away. <laughs> it stays it, there. Yeah. We get no reaction shot. We get no <laughs> get moment nothing. of celebration. It's just a fact presented on the screen. And they're like, we are? Win. Wait, we actually won? And like, yeah. that's it. And they're like, that's, that's, that's over. You're like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so very much like in, in Monte Carlo where that all-girl team stops to perform a rescue. Right. And then in the end, our get to share trophy in their honor. They become like honorary co-champions of the race, even though they never cross the finish line. So it's a little right. bit of a variation on, on that, on that plot element, but that's it. Yes. Race ends. We get two more scenes. We're going to get out of this pretty quickly, right? Yep. Uh, Cannonball visits Linda in the hospital. Little callback scene because what did they say they were going to do when they got to Manhattan? Find a hotel with a king size bed. Nice mm. little callback line. Didn't yeah. get a laugh from me. Got a little smirk. Yeah. <laughs> Is that hospital have a king size bed? She's a little, looks a little, I, you know, he's going to be as gentle in the, in, in <laughs> under the covers as those, <laughs> as those lotioned moccasins are to, Bad guy's faces, I think. He seems like that kind of guy. He'd be like, so she goes, sorry, it's not the king size bed we hoped for. Uh, we'll make it work. <laughs> Just got to move this swing. And and then Butel delivers the car, which doesn't fall apart, Blues Brothers style. That would have been funny. That would have required but, money. Uh, it, uh, it looks... Pr- Worse than we ever saw it at any point in the drive. Right. He had a few more wrecks like, after we last saw him. Right. Maybe that was from the explosion. It should have been like on yeah. fire with bits of dead cop on it or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Old couple does double take. He walks across the street. Some David Axelrod jazz mm-hmm. fusion plays over the credits. We fade to blurry. Several <laughs> eyes just gave out. Blurry. Just, yeah. Kind of a freeze frame, but goes out of focus. And that's then it. That's the whole movie. Well, we're told to watch for David Carradine in Death Sport. Death Sport. I which I will not do. I will not I will not do that. I will check out Paul Bartel's uh Eating Raul, which I still have never seen. Also with Mary Warrenoff. That's the only movie I'd ever, I'd really heard of a lot as a growing up. And I, uh, you know, like, I've never seen it either. Well, cult comedy. It was always on the shelf at the video store, my corner Mm -hmm. video store in my neighborhood when I was a kid. Always caught my eye. And I'm like, is that a horror? What kind of movie? Right. Is that a dirty? Is that like a a dirty reference? Is that a dirty joke? I don't know what that means. Uh, So someday, someday I'll check that out. But I did say earlier I wanted to talk about more about David Carradine, and I never did. But you know what? There's nothing more to be said. Why, why beat a dead or Well, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Cut that out. There's nothing more to be said, I guess. He's just not very good. He's not very good at being a movie star. Well, it's just he doesn't even feel, he weirdly does not feel like the star of this movie. 
I mean, no one else does either, but he's clearly supposed to be the lead, but he just doesn't feel like one, like it. He's not, he's not bringing any star energy to... Who is his character? He's just a guy, like, I don't know. Like, we're just supposed to find him fascinating or compelling. Once again, and this is not a compliment, Peter Fonda would have made this a better movie. Totally. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. I completely agree. Oh, well. I think we're done with David Carradine, though. Yeah. I hope Unless so. Unless we throw Kill Bill 2 into this, I think we're done. Yeah, there's no... Um, that would have been a different movie if there was a wacky race in the middle of it. Or if the entire <laughs> movie had been. We're just a shot where like there's a long corridor with a bunch of doors and then cars would just drive through the doors and then drive through other doors. And it just becomes like a big farce. Of what if, you know, just like there were Saturday morning cartoons of like Robocop and like other R-rated. Yeah. Like what if there was like a Saturday morning cartoon and it was Kill Bill's Wacky Racers? <laughs> you know, it'd be like um, that Stop the Pigeon, the Yankee Doodle Pigeon, where it's a Wacky Race cartoon where they're just trying to kill a pigeon. <laughs> and it's... It's the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad. Like every week, they okay. <laughs> there we go. You know, I'm Kill this Bill. Already. Kill Bill's like the boss, and he's like every every week, like okay, here's a plan. It's his name, Kill Bill. Yeah, his name's Kill Bill. <laughs> we got to catch the bride. Here's how we're gonna catch the bride this week. I've designed these special cars for each of you, and it's a new set of vehicles every week, right? I like this, and every and it'll be stop that bride, yeah. <laughs> stop, stop that wedding, yeah, stop that the bride, <laughs> and everything they'll they'll get mangled up each time, but then they'll always be restored for the next episode. Yeah, and know. the bride always is having a mobile wedding, of course. Yes, yes. Like a different, she designed a different kind of mobile platform to get married on. <laughs> In a different, you know, Texas church with an organist played by Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, I already like this way better than Cannibal. When, when can we watch that? <laughs> but can I talk for a minute about Ken Ball? Sure. <laughs> Another minute. Can let's I talk, talk for another minute. Why not? About the main character and title character. Yeah, of this let's movie. let's let's talk about David Carradine. He's so the movie Cannonball is named after the character Cannonball, Coy Cannonball something, which is a reference to all is a reference to the uh, the Cannonball Run, the real life Cannonball Run, or as it was officially called. The Cannonball Baker Sea to Shining Sea Memorial Trophy Dash, organized by Car and Driver Magazine, in memory of Cannonball Baker, who was oh. a a stunt driver from the 1910s through the 1930s, who did a lot of uh, uh, publicity racing, including coast-to-coast racing, where he set the New York to Los Angeles record. Uh, in 1933 mm. at a speed which was not broken until the first Cannonball Run race in 1971. Wow. Which had the benefit of the interstate system. So driving on like dirt roads and U.S. highways, <sighs> wow. a guy in like a Studebaker 
set a record which nobody could break for almost 40 years, which is kind of crazy. Cannonball Baker himself was nicknamed Cannonball by a newspaper reporter in reference to the Cannonball Express, the locomotive train famously crashed by Casey Jones, subject of from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> and 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 hockey mask wearing vigilante. <laughs> so the first Cannonball Run, Casey at the back, was run in 1971. It was basically just to see. Like, hey, could we beat Cannonball Baker's record? And so they outfitted a van. The editor of Car and Driver magazine outfits a van called, he calls it Moon Trash 2, is the only participant. And it's just kind of a stunt. Uh, But they break the record by not much, by a little bit. Um, And that's in a van with a bunch of fuel tanks in the back. November of that same year, they hold another version where eight participants run. Um, uh, as I mentioned, the Polish Racing Drivers of America came in second place in a sport van. The editor came in first place in a in a Ferrari. Um, but the Polish Racing Drivers of America in their sports van requested it was a staggered start. You have your you punch your ticket when you leave the Red Ball Garage in Manhattan. You punch your ticket when you enter. The um, the Portofino Inn parking lot at the Marina of Redondo Beach, California. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a staggered start, but the Polish team asked to leave first so that they could be in the pole position. Round of applause. That was an applause applause break. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm aware. <laughs> Sorry. Is the standing ovation still going? I went in. It, it's still going. It's okay. still rocking hard. <laughs> it was run again in 1972, uh, and again in 1975, where it got coverage in Time Magazine, Ooh. which greatly increased the profile and made it. A story of national interest. 1975, not, not, of course. Not the pole file, but the profile. <laughs> it didn't raise its pole file. 1975, of course, is when Death Race 2000 premieres, which uh, seems loosely inspired by the Cannonball Run. The Cannonball, of course, the following year, very much uh, directly based on the Cannonball. But that will not be the last movie we see based on the cannonball run. If it, that term has sounded familiar this entire time. It's because there's, there's some other movies that, um, that are about it. We will get to those, but not in our very next entry, because our very next entry will be another movie direct based directly on the cannonball run, but called (laughs) cheekily the gumball rally. Right. And I really don't know what to expect. I didn't know this movie existed until we started looking for entries in this series. So I, I, I knew I knew of the Gumball Rally, but I've never seen it. I always knew it as being one of those one of one of these one, one of these movies like Cannonball Run and and Speed Zone and stuff like that. So 
but yeah, this will this will be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. It'll... Um, can I just add two more little tiny notes about Cannonball though? Before you we saw, leave? you can do whatever you can add whatever you want. Okay, as they're entering Manhattan, um, when we see the uh, unfinished highway, direct route into New York City to be completed next year. So don't drive on it yet. Sign. Uh, it says that it's uh, brought to you by the sign is uh, signed by Governor Rosalie E. Gelfman, who I presume is some relation to producer Samuel W. Gelfman. I took note of the name because I'm like, who is that? Right. Gotta be. See, there, there, were, there was more than one daughter, one assumes. There was more than one lingering shots on signs that I found perplexing that I go, there's something we're supposed to take from that. And I don't know what it is. And then uh, while they're driving through New York City at some point, like in a uh, median, there's like a cube sculpture that's like hmm. up on its point, like a big black cube or brack cube that's like up on its cube. corner. That same sculpture is on the campus of University of Michigan. Oh, really? Right outside the student union. And I... It's it's the same sculpture. Uh, Ours, you can spin it. Um, So I got to, now I got to, I forgot to research to see, like, did that get moved from New York City at some point? Or did that sculptor Mm. make a bunch of them? Or what's going on? Does the one in New York City spin? Is it still there? I got to do some cube research. (laughs) There's cube research to be done. I was you know, just trying that, to scan through the movie, and I don't see where it is. So. Those bits, you can just edit that and make that a bonus feature for the Patreon. <laughs> exactly. Make people pay extra for that. To sign up for our Patreon or to <laughs> tell us how to start one or any other comments you might have, you can find us on such dying social media platforms as <laughs> Twitter or Cursed commercial endeavors such as Facebook. But you know what's always nice and an open standard and should always work no matter what billionaire tries to screw it up is good old email. Email there us you at youwatchedwrong at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, uh, we'd love to hear your free associations. Just write subconsciously. Turn off your headlights. Feel yourself... <laughs> Slowly drifting to sleep. Forget that you're the star of a movie. (laughs) Just go off to sleep. Yes, have no fear of running off the road because you can't see or running into a tree (laughs) or crashing into another car. If you can get pills from the right hospital emergency room, you should be able to drive all night without headlights. No problem. But please, yes, email us there. Send us these thoughts because Lord knows I don't have any more thoughts about Cannibal. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going to need your help to finish this episode out. And if you got pulled over by the California Highway Patrol trying to get on the way to New York, you punched it wrong. <laughs> I've been waiting my whole life for a chips reference. It finally happened.